confusion wrecks your nerves It's bad enough you gotta look like her She gave you life but she won't let you breathe Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment she Featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music I am Bruce Worsniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on location in the Florida Panhandle at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just released a single in July and is about to put out another new song. Plus, she has an EP that will be coming out at the start of 2023. On Spotify, she has an impressive 11,500 monthly listeners. She has been building her music career between Nashville and Texas, including moving back and forth between the two, as we will hear today. Music is in her family, as her father is a Grammy-nominated hit songwriter. You've been hearing a song of hers called You're Gonna Be Your Mama. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Jesse Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You bet. You bet. Thank you so much for taking time out of the Songwriters Festival to sit and talk with me. Before we dive into all things Jesse Lee, share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called You're Gonna Be Your Mama. Yeah, so I wrote You're Gonna Be Your Mama actually with my dad, which is funny enough, but um, I kind of got the idea because I was thinking about how I have so many friends and so much family that always says things like, you know, um, I'm never going to be like my mom or this drives me crazy about my mom or whatever. And it's funny because usually as people get older, a lot of times they become a lot like their mom, especially women. And um, so we kind of wrote kind of a satirical song that's just kind of you know, uh, showing how when people are younger, you know, the things that they think are annoying that they actually end up becoming sometimes. And it has, you know, all kinds of different references about drinking wine and, um, learning how to make a lasagna. There's all kinds of weird references in it about, uh, just becoming your mama. So yeah, it was really fun to write. Was it your idea? Was it your dad's idea? And for that matter, have people told you, Jesse, you're going to be your mama. <laughs> Actually, yes. Growing up, I feel like I heard that all the time. Or, you know, you look like your mama. And, you know, when you're a young teenage girl, you're like, Ugh, I want to look <laughs> like my mom. But she's beautiful. And, and I'm glad that I do. But um, yeah, so I, I came in with the idea. Funny enough, um, I kind of was thinking of some stuff that all of my family, you know, picks on with, you know, whether it's a grandma or, you know, an aunt or whatever. And I was thinking about all these things and, and my cousins and the people around me who, you know, are actually turning into those people who that we've picked on for so long, you know, as they're getting <laughs> older. And so I was telling my dad about it and um, I kind of had a little bit of it written and he was like, oh, I can help. I want to help with this one. So, uh, yeah, I don't think my mom loved it in the beginning, but, <laughs> but we've, we've grown to grown to love it. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though, because. I suppose you do get to a point where you think to yourself, whatever song you're writing, I'm writing it about this person. Sometimes you'll know if that person's going to end up knowing it was about them. Sometimes they won't. And I wonder, does that influence you as a songwriter to say, well, gosh, I'd really love to write this, but oh boy, I'm going to have to really 
yes. jump through hoops to make sure that so-and-so doesn't know that that's who <laughs> I wrote it about or based on. Them. Absolutely. Um, I've actually had, I've had that with songs I've wanted to write that I just honestly haven't gotten around to writing yet because of that, because I'm like, I don't want to ever hurt someone or, you know, but for me, music is kind of a therapeutic thing for me. It helps me get feelings or emotions out. And so sometimes when I write something, um, I feel like once I write it and once I get it out, I don't, I don't harbor ill will towards anything or, you know, so, um, some closure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I've definitely had that, you know, I've had friends who have argued about, you know, I think that song was written about me or, you know, so it's funny. Every song definitely is, uh, written with somebody in mind or some story someone's told me in mind or, yeah, but, you know, as a songwriter, I'm sure that you don't want to lose out on good ideas that you have. So it's interesting that you're saying that you're kind of like putting the ideas on the shelf, so to speak. Like, I'll come back to them. Right. I just can't write it right now because so-and-so will know it's about Sometimes them. Sometimes you need time to pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's good, though, because certainly if you have a good idea for a song, you hate to say... Boy, I sure would have loved to have written that because right. it's that old thing about, you know, what would have happened if I had written that right. song? Where would it have gone? When I do believe that some of the best songs in the world come from honest places, you know, and so um, the times that I have, you know, written songs that I felt like were pretty personal and I didn't know if people would really uh, connect with it or not. Surprisingly, a lot of people have, even though mm. some of them are really personal, you know, so um, it is interesting. It, it's interesting how each you know, song that you write, whatever story you're telling, other people have shared that same story in some way or another. Now make sure you tell any songwriters who are in the audience listening to us talk that X's, oh, they're fair game. You can write <laughs> yeah. about them anytime. You can write about them anytime. Don't hold back on writing those songs. Yeah, absolutely. That's they're out they're out the out the window. You can write about all of that. <laughs> all day long. I mentioned in the intro that you will have a new EP coming out at the beginning of two thousand twenty three. Will you're going to be your mama be on that, or is it just a single that's being released meant to stand on its own? So it will be on the EP. Okay. Um, so in, oh gosh, I guess it was, it's almost been a year since I recorded the EP, but I have been trying to strategically think about how I'm going to release this stuff. So originally I was going to release the whole EP, just all seven songs on it. Wow. Seven songs. Yeah. That's, that's- that's hardy. That's to me. That's more than an EP. Yeah, Please continue. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt no, you, no, but no, that's you're fine. I'm, yeah, I'm it applauding is a you. Longer. That's that's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I um I did seven songs and um I was going to release them all together on the EP. And the more people that I talked to in the business, they were telling me about what is kind of happening with people's attention spans nowadays. They were saying that um, especially you know with having so many different songs that are coming out all the time and all these different platforms between Spotify and YouTube and TikTok and all these things. So they were saying if you release something all together, people might listen to it for a little bit, but they'll find, you know, the one or two songs out of the EP that they really like and they'll listen to those. Um, but then once it's out, then they're going to be waiting on you to put more music out. Mm -hmm. And obviously to release music, it's expensive and, you know, you want to do it the right way. You want to, you know, do music videos and all that stuff. So um, what I've been told, at least, is that if you release a single at a time, it keeps people's attention a little bit longer because, um, you know, if you're releasing a new song maybe every month or every other month, then those seven songs have turned into seven months of being able to release music rather yeah. than just one one time. So, 
And it also gives you a lot more social media content because if all you do is just drop the seven song EP, of course you're going to post like crazy about that. But then a month is going to go by, two months are going to go by, three months are going to go by, four months are going to go by, and you're going to say, I can't just keep posting about my EP all the time. Yeah, you need something but new. But if there's a single every other month or every six weeks, yes. it's like, okay, I, I got something more fresh. Stuff to, yeah. And, yeah, and you can do photo shoots based around it or videos and all of that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of this. So I went uh, and recorded a project in 2019, and I'm honestly... I was, well, I don't know if it was 2019. I was 19 years old, so actually I guess it was a little before that. But anyways, um, I'm really glad that I didn't end up putting it out because now that I listen back to that stuff, I'm like, I was not ready at that time and my songs were not ready at that time. There was a couple that I did put on this EP that I'd written back then, Mm. but um, it took me some time to figure out exactly who I was as an artist and what my sound was and... So now that I'm putting this out, this is technically my first time putting out music. So it's almost like an experimental project for me to kind of see, you know, what works when you're, you know, do you market to a certain audience? Do you do videos? Do you do, you know, so this has all been kind of experimental for me. Do we know exactly when in 2023 it will be out? And also what will the title of the EP be? So the the title will be Dive Bar Superstar, which is the one song that I do have out right now. And I'm not exactly sure what the date will be at the moment. I do know it'll be early 2023. Um, I would like to put, so I have your, you're going to be your mama coming out hopefully next month. Um, and then I have a Christmas song coming out that will not be on the EP. Obviously it's just a Christmas song. So I have a couple more to release. And then I'm hoping at the beginning of the year, I'll either release one more single or I'll just go ahead and drop the whole EP. So that's fun. I didn't know that you're doing a Christmas song. That's yeah. Cool. My boyfriend and I actually recorded it together last year. It's called if Santa was a cowboy and it's like a swing Christmas song. And he's kind of got this George Strait eighties a country thing. So he asked me if I would jump on the song with him while we were at the studio. And so I just kind of looked over the lyrics and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Just screw it. Is it technically <laughs> his song? He wrote it? No. So uh, one of our friends, Ash Underwood back in Nashville, uh, he wrote the song and he pitched it to Cameron and said, you know, this is kind of a cool swing song for Christmas. And I think it would be good for Texas country radio because they play so much, you know, all the George Strait Christmas songs and Alan Jackson and all these people. So uh, and then they do a lot of Texas country there, too. So um, neat. Yeah, that's neat. what our I plan like is. I like it. Folks, I have a bit of an update on something that I've talked about in the past. Since I'm a sports guy and I'm kind of a stats nerd, I love data like this. You know that Focusrite has been sponsoring Now Here This Entertainment and that not only am I thankful for that, but that I've been so happy using their gear to deliver you great quality audio for this podcast. The Scarlet, third gen, by the way, is the best-selling range of USB audio interfaces in the world with, and this is the number that has changed, increased, 5 million sold to date. The Scarlet is what I was using, and still would be, until they came out with the Vocaster, which is designed specifically for podcasters. Anyhow, the Scarlet range includes six different interfaces with input and output configurations for any recording need. Give your audience professional quality audio with one of the units from Focusrite's range of Scarlet Audio interfaces. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for the ad that says Tell the World. If you're on desktop, it's in the right-hand column. And if you're looking at nhte.net on mobile, scroll down to below the block of social media logos, and it's below that. 
tap or click on that ad to go to the Focusrite website for more details on the scarlet range of audio interfaces. I should be keeping my eyes open here at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival because I wouldn't be surprised if someone's using a Focusrite scarlet audio interface, just like I saw in July when I was at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. And people like Jesse Lee and others like her, they probably have a Focusrite scarlet somewhere in all the audio gear that they have. So please look into that and get one for your recording needs as well. Jesse, we hear a lot of guests on this show who have the classic story of moving to Nashville to pursue their dream of a music career. But in your case, you grew up in Music City and with a songwriter for a father on top of it. So talk about all that. The the pressure, I'm guessing, or maybe you're going to say, no, you weren't pushed and maybe you chose music on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like you were saying, I grew up in Nashville and, um, so in, I believe 1993, my parents moved from Texas to Nashville and my dad had been playing in all the honky tonks in Texas for about six years. And he decided that he wanted to take it a little more seriously. So he moved to Nashville and, um, I believe got his first, um, publishing deal. And I want to say 96 or I believe it was about 96, but Anyway, so I was born in 1998, Um, so apparently the year that I was born, he got his first uh, cut, and I believe it was on uh, Terry Clark for This Old Heart, and um, so that kind of began it, and then he stayed in the music industry as a published songwriter up until I was about 17 years old. So it was definitely um, a a very interesting world to grow up in, and I, I feel blessed that I did choose to do music. Honestly, my dad didn't really push me to do music because he knew how hard the business was. Mm. And especially as a female, he was really worried about that because he was like, you know, people get taken advantage of all the time in this business, you know, and there's a lot of uh, seediness that kind of happens, you know, in the business. And so I think he was a little worried about it. So um, I actually so we moved. Let me back up. We, we moved to Texas when I was a senior in high school. So I grew up in Nashville most of my life, but uh, came to Texas as a senior and decided to go to college. And uh, so I went for two years and I was going to be a nurse. Ah. And yeah, so once I got into college, honestly, it was I made it through my freshman year. Okay, I started kind of realizing I don't really know if I want to do this. Well, I started working at a hospital and uh, Mm. I got an insurance job where Basically, I would go in and count all the orthopedic equipment that they had. I'd have to get all their insurance forms. And it was a very uh, desk kind of job. <laughs> yes, it was, it was so boring. I hated it. And um, I think being around uh, that that environment, I think I, I realized that I am such a creative spirit. And that's not really the life that I think that I wanted. Not that there's anything in, wrong with it. I wish, honestly, I wish that I could have been someone that could have done that because I might have a 401k, but, (laughs) but, um, so I called my dad, my sophomore year of college, I was halfway through my sophomore year. And, um, I told him, I said, I crying. I was like, dad, I can't do this anymore. I just want to be a musician. Cause I found myself rather, rather than studying or rather than doing homework or whatever, I was wanting to write songs and I was spending so much time playing music and, I mean, I'd been playing music and writing songs since I was a little bitty kid. I started mm. writing songs when I was about nine. And wow. so um, I and I think just growing up in that in that world, that was very familiar and comfortable for me. And so I called him and told him, you know, I want to do music. And he said, well, if you're going to do it, you need to move back 
Yeah, here. I wanted to ask you because I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit confused, and this will also help lead into my next question. So you said, I called my dad in your sophomore year mm-hmm. of college. So where were you going to college? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was in a college station. I was going to Blinn, which is like the feeder school that goes to Texas A&M. Okay. And so I... So you were going to college in Texas, and he was living in Nashville. So we had moved to Texas my senior year of high school. So he was living in New Braunfels, Texas, which is about three and a half hours away from oh, College Station. Oh, okay. Well, then keep the story going then. Walk us through the timeline because sure. if I've got this right, you moved from Nashville to Texas, then back to Nashville <laughs> and back to Texas yes. again. So if that's correct, like what was that timeline? When I say what were the dates, I don't mean the month, yeah, and, yeah. but the years and, and everything. Right. Yeah. So, so I did, I grew up in, in Nashville. Then I moved, um, to Texas, went to school there. Um, and then, so when I moved home, still living in Texas, I moved back to my parents' house and my dad was like, you're going to start playing these honky tonks and you're going to start, you know, getting a band together and do, you know, you need to do this the right way. So I started doing that. And after playing around Texas for a couple years, I told him, I said, I think I want to move to Nashville because, uh, you know, okay. I want to be back around the songwriters and I want to do all that. So I moved back to Nashville in 2018 and I, unfortunately i moved, I, I want to say it was halfway through the year of 2018. So I was down there for a little bit before COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, it totally shut down Nashville completely. And I mean, for I mean, up until I moved back to Texas, which was at the beginning of this year in January. Um, so COVID really, I think being down there during that time, um, I got to meet a lot of people. I got to make really great connections and write some really awesome songs. And, but I think being down there, um, I had some meetings with some different companies like Universal and BMG and different places. And Mm. I was in the process of figuring out um, if I wanted to be a published songwriter, if I wanted a publishing deal, if I was trying to go for that or trying to go for a record deal. And I think I, I learned that that's not really the route that I necessarily wanted to take. Um, partially after learning how much the music business has changed, which that's why my dad left in the first place was because when Spotify and all these things came out, they didn't change the way that songwriters were getting paid. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, songwriters usually are getting paid based off of, you know, the, um, the radio and how many hard copies are sold. And now Spotify, I mean, they did the music modernization act, which helped a little bit, but still they're making, I mean, pennies on not even pennies Mm -hmm. (laughs) for streams, Mm -hmm. 0.0001 penny per stream, I believe. That's right. And so I was kind of um, frustrated by that. And uh, the more artists that I became friends with who had had record deals, they kind of shined light onto things that I didn't really know about um, when it comes to having a record deal and how much uh, they own you and how much you really don't make at the end of the day unless... I don't know. There's, I could go on for hours about <laughs> just that, but, uh, so I just decided that I wanted to, to take the route of being an independent artist. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. And it's interesting because, well, wait a minute, let me do a housekeeping note. Folks go back to episode 208 of the show. I'll put a link to it on the show page for Jesse's episode on NHTE.net episode 208. I interviewed Blake Morgan and he talked about being in a closed door meeting at Spotify, you can wink, wink, you can tell it was not people throwing roses at each other's feet. He was very much advocating on behalf of 
songwriters and, and not getting the fair share for artists, et cetera. But so it's ironic because it sounds like you're saying, help me out with this, that your dad was from Texas, but he ended up in Nashville because that's where we heard that you were born. Mm -hmm. But then he left Nashville and he went to Texas and hasn't gone back since, I think is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So here's you. That's kind of like, well, I did the reverse. I'm from Nashville, but I moved to Texas and I moved back to Nashville. But unlike your dad, you did move, make one more move. And now you're back in Texas. Yeah, it was, um, I think I needed to experience it for myself because I know everybody's experience is different with, you know, uh, what they choose to do. And so I felt like I wanted to just see what it was for myself. I had heard, I mean, obviously growing up there, um, I had, you know, a lot of connections in, in the industry and in the business. And, um, I felt like, I think I felt like it was going to be different than it was. I think when I moved there, um, I realized, I guess I realized how many people were actually really put out with the music business and they're still doing it because I think that's what, as if you're a songwriter, if you're a singer, that's really when you've devoted your life to something, that's all you really know how to do. And so, so many of these people are like, I mean, what else would I do? Like, I don't want to go work at the, you know, part store, this or that, like this. And, you know, I, you don't really get a retirement. You don't, Yeah. there's so much that you, I think people are always chasing the dream and they're chasing the possibility of what could happen if they do get a number one song. And, and I have heard, you know, if you still get, you know, a top five song, you'll still make some money, but it, it's not the money that it used yeah. to be. You know, you, you, you constantly stay hungry. Yes. And, and I, I mean that from a, from a motivational standpoint, yes. I don't mean not eating, um, <laughs> but, but that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose, I suppose, but I still commend you though, Jesse, because people might say, oh, well, her dad's a Grammy nominated hit songwriter. That's true, but you moved to Nashville by yourself. Right. It wasn't, well, my dad is there and he can open all kinds of doors. Dad was back in Texas and here goes yeah. Jesse off by herself. And so honestly, my hat's well, off to you, you for doing that. Thank you. And honestly, I, I knew people would feel like that too whenever I moved down there. So I did not reach out to anybody. I mean, honestly, a lot of the hit songwriters that had known me since I was, you know, a little kid, when I moved back to Texas after moving back to Nashville, they were like, why didn't you, you know, call me? We could have written together uh. and whatnot. But for me, I felt like I didn't want, to, I felt like if I was in the place that they felt like they wanted to write with me or that I had earned that, then those doors would open. But I wasn't going to come bang down people's door and say like, I'm David mm. Lee's daughter and I want to come right with you because I wow. don't respect that myself looking at other artists. Cause mm. I, but you know, you, it's a catch 22 because then the other part of it is that yeah, music you, is all about connection. Out on. Yeah. yeah. Good for you though. I'm, I'm, I'm saying good for you. So the, you're amazing. That's, that's great. Well, thanks. Yeah, good for you. So how has it been starting your independent artist career in Texas? What, what are some of the challenges that you faced? Oh, wow. It's a completely different world. I love it though. It's, um, I guess what I love about doing music in Texas is that I get to be completely in control over, um, the kind of music that I'm putting out, the band that I put together, what venues I play, when I don't play, when I do play. And, um, I think that's really all that I have wanted out of music. And I think that is partially why I decided to do the independent route is I feel like, um, so for instance, I had American Idol reach out to me a couple of years ago and they wanted me to be on the show. So I told them, you know, I, I think about it, blah, blah, blah. Well, I did the little, um, 
whatever you call it. Yeah, the audition. And they're you're going to Hollywood, all this stuff. Well, I then started having uh, one of the producers calling me all the time leading up to doing this. And she she the first time she called me, she said, I I need to talk to you. Um, We think that you're putting a fake accent on your voice when you sing and we need you to just be more country. And so I said, really, what's the fake accent? And she's like, well, when you talk, you're so country. And when you sing, you you sound like you're putting this fake thing, like you're trying to sound more like Amy Winehouse or something like that. And I was like, well, that's, you know, honestly, for me, um, since my dad was in country music, I'm country as cornbread. But the music that I grew up listening to was not country music because uh, my dad was so tired from when he'd come home from writing and he was writing country that we would listen to jazz and blues and Motown oh, and interesting. Yeah. Different types of music. So although I was influenced by country, obviously, um, I also had heavy influences in different types of music. And so, um, it was interesting when, when I went through this whole thing, I ended up not doing it because I sent the contract to my lawyer and he was like, this is a terrible contract you're going to totally get screwed over. And then them wanting to change who you are as an artist, like you don't do that. Tell the audience how big my eyes got (laughs) in my mouth open when you said the producer said, we think you're faking the accent. Yes. Like it's insane. I know. And I, I thought, you know, that's really sad to me that it's weird too. When someone reaches out to you and they're like, we want you to be on the show, but then we want you to change who you are as an artist. And Mm. I felt like that, I didn't want to go through that also with a label deal because I know that a lot of times with a label, um, you know, they think you might have a good package. You might have, uh, the songwriting ability and the look and the, this and the, that, but at the end of the day, there's always something that they're trying to mold. They might need somebody to fill this role. And to me, that's what being an independent artist is, is being able to say, well, this is who I am. This is the kind of music I do. And so that's kind of why I got to the place that I decided I was going to go back to Texas. Um, and I honestly, I, I really enjoy it. I just got a band together. We're, we're going full time, uh, together in 2023. And so I'm really excited about that. Cause for the last, I guess, since 2017 ish, uh, I've been doing mainly acoustic stuff and I've had little bands here and there, but nobody that was like, you're the band, like we're, we're with you no matter what show it is, no matter what it is. So I'm really thankful that I've finally got to a place where, um, I have some players who are willing to do that with me. And so this coming year, the plan is kind of to get a van and to start traveling. And so I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. I can tell, I can tell. And and I love the maturity level because most people would get the call from American Idol and they'd say, where do you need me to be and when do I need to be there? And then this whole thing of recognizing that I might be able to get a label deal, but if they're just looking at their list and going, uh, we need a female um, brunette, yes. dark features, I don't see any, no tattoos, yeah. uh, <laughs> preferably you know something country-ish, and, and it's just, you know, oh, this Jesse Lee is checking all these boxes as far as we can tell. Right. And it's like, well wait a minute, you haven't even said anything about my music. Right. So I admire your maturity level for saying, like, I might have gotten that deal, but that's not what I want to do. Well, thank you. I think partially, too, it helps having people that I'm close with that are that are in the business because that was the lawyer that I worked with. Uh, he's a big attorney in Nashville for, for most of the big musicians. And so he was like, 
when I walked in, he was sitting in his chair and he had the contract in his hand and he said, Jesse Lee, if you sign this, he said, do you want to be a grassroots grow up or do you want to be a flash in the pan? Mm. And I was like, well, obviously I don't want to be a flash in the pan. And he was like, well, then you need to be a grassroots grow up girl. Don't do this, you know? And so, um, that's kind of where I'm at now too, uh, of being an independent artist is that I know it's the grassroots grow up thing. I play between three and four shows a weekend and I'm in all kinds of different places between Texas and I do bunches, uh, bunches. <laughs> I do a bunch mm-hmm. of festivals, um, up bunches in and Wyoming. Bunches. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we just got back from Wyoming and, you know, wow. being down here in Florida. So I'm trying to get into some different places and it's just, um, I think if it's definitely not for the money, it's definitely for the soul. So that's kind of mm. where, where I'm at now. Well, let's talk about the music that you're making. How do you get inspiration for songs and what is the writing process like for you? Yeah. So it's always a little bit different, I guess, per song. I mainly get inspiration from either some kind of heartbreak that I've gone through or I'm going through, um, through family, through friends, through hearing other people's stories. Um, but my main thing is, is that I, and not, not even, I'm not trying to say it in a bad way, but I don't really listen to a whole lot of females because Um, there's very few that I feel like talk about stuff that is not heartbreak and, um, you talk about songs or just individual like friend conversations. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, like musicians for, so I have, you know, there's certain musicians I love. I love Miranda Lambert. I love, um, a lot of what Casey Musgraves does. There's some that I really do love, but I'm, I feel like what I, what I feel like female musicians a lot of time are missing are the songs that are about life and that are about real things and substance um, substance. Yeah. And so I think that that has kind of been my goal as, um, as a songwriter specifically is I, I try to find things that I feel like everybody goes through, but there's not a song for yet. And so that's kind of, I guess my inspiration is, I have, I don't think I've ever written like a real love song, um, or anything, I guess, like that. A lot of the stuff that I write, I think is a little, um, off center and, um, kind of ideas that they might be weird, but I feel like they need to be written, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of, I guess where the inspiration comes from is if somebody says something that I feel like there's not a song for that and there needs to be. Mm. And then what does the writing process look like once you get that idea? Yeah. So, um, I guess every song is different. Sometimes, you know, it starts off with the melody and, uh, finding words that fit that melody, but I definitely am a a fan of always coming up with the hook first and writing to the hook. Cause, uh, used to, I would just take off on a song and just start writing verses and then I'd get to the end of the chorus and there was no payoff. (laughs) And so after a lot of songs of, of writing a lot of songs and, uh, my dad has been my biggest mentor because I can sit down and I'll play him a song and he'll be like, okay, what, what was the point though? You're not giving mm. me a point or you're not giving me a hook. And so that was really, really helpful for me. I feel like, um, as far as growing in my, in my writing career. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess there's all kinds of ways to do it. And I guess no way is probably right, but, um, definitely for me, it, usually comes with finding the hook and then finding a melody. You're writing everything on guitar or do I not know that you also happen to play piano or something else? <laughs> I could 
I can tinker on a piano and on a ukulele, but for the most part, I always write everything on the guitar. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm joined today on location in the Florida Panhandle at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival by singer, songwriter, guitar player Jesse Lee. Visit her official website at jessieleemusic.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will see icons to connect with Jesse on social media, namely Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Do also find Jesse on Spotify so you can follow her on there. As I mentioned in the intro, she currently has more than 11,500 monthly listeners on there. However, support Jesse by purchasing downloads of her music from the likes of iTunes and other online digital music retailers. On jessieleemusic.com, you'll also see a link for live shows so you can see the list of the many, many places where you can go see her perform. Usually, this is where I tell you in my own words about Deconi Audio and the rebirth of my headphones, thanks to them. But this week, I want to tell you in their words more about them. All you gamers, all you podcasters, musicians, audio engineers, and anyone else out there who wears headphones. Quote, Deconi Audio produces high-end replacement headphone pads to upgrade your listening experience. Our pads are designed to offer maximum comfort while optimizing sound quality and isolation. We offer replacement ear pads for Bose, Audio-Technica, and other popular headphone brands, end quote. And in fact, I went on their website, that's where I pulled that from, and I think I counted 28 different brands that they support. Check it out yourself. Either start with the unboxing video that I did for my YouTube channel when I got my replacement ear pads from Deconi Audio and utilize the link in that video's description or from my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo. It is in the right-hand column on desktop, or if you're looking at nhte.net on mobile, scroll down just below the block of social media icons to see the Deconi Audio logo and go over to their website. Should I have mentioned TikTok? Are you on TikTok? I am. You are. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken go. me a while to get Find on Find her on TikTok also. Uh, Jesse, before all that, you were talking about how you get inspiration, what your songwriting process is like. But you mentioned like one or two. What artists and songwriters would you say have been influential? Oh, my gosh. I could probably talk about that for a whole hour <laughs> by itself. But um, I feel like all of it. I mean, I know that's probably basic to say, but... Um, I guess if I had to choose some top ones, I definitely did listen to a lot of Amy Winehouse, Billie Holiday, listened to a lot of the soul music like uh, Louis Armstrong and Ray Charles. And then uh, I liked quirky stuff, too, like Leon Redbone. Um, I don't know. There was so many. And then I had a lot of um, if I the country influences that I do have are um, some of the older country, um, when, you know, Such like Waylon Jennings and. I did listen to a lot of Merle Haggard and then um, even going further back than that. I mean, Ernest Tubb, all kinds wow. of different people. Bob Wills is a big one. Um, so I don't know. I honestly, every time I get asked that question, I probably give different answers because there's <laughs> just been so many um, influences to me. I, I love music and, you know, I'm a radio baby. That's another thing that I always say to people because I you know, so many, uh, the kids nowadays, it's all about like playlists that they create and they find this music. And I feel like growing up with the radio, you know, you would just flip through until you heard a song you <laughs> liked. And then, you know, I like being out of control of the music that 
comes across sometimes. But it's interesting to me that just like earlier on when you told the cool story about, you know, your dad would come home worn out from writing country music all day and so you'd listen to something else. It's interesting to me that when I asked you, you started your list with so many non-country names that I was going to jump in and say, what about country people? And you eventually went there. Right. Yeah. I think, um, my, I love country music to this day. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. But, um, I think as far as influentially, I feel like there was the more the jazz and the blues and, uh, the R and B stuff was really, really influential to me, but my great grandpa and my grandpa were also musicians. They were in traveling bands. And so my grandpa was like a soul singer. He did a lot of the, um, you know, Jimmy Reed and a lot of that old blues music. Um, mm. And he mixed, you know, some some country stuff. But he was kind of more of that Motown soul kind of stuff. So I think also growing up with him, um, which my dad has a lot of that, too. He's He's incredibly soulful. So, yeah, I think that. That was very influential. Let's jump back to something else that also was discussed in the first half of the show, which was the the moving back and forth between Nashville and Texas. Can you talk about the difference in the Texas music scene versus the Nashville music scene? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think Nashville music scene. Well, let me start with Texas. So the Texas music scene um, is very open, I feel like, to um, different types of music as long as they are good because <laughs> there's artists like shiny ribs, uh, Kevin Russell, he's absolutely amazing. And he's a super like soul band and, uh, they have trumpets and all kinds of stuff in their band and he's huge in Texas. But then, you know, you have Randy Rogers and Cody Johnson and those guys that came out of Texas who are making a great living just, you know, which obviously Cody now is, is in Nashville, which he got one of the best deals that anyone has ever gotten where he owns, like half of his half of everything, um, huge sign on bonus. And that happened because he built such a great career in mm. Texas and had such a big fan base that it was almost a no brainer. I feel like for the labels to go, okay, this guy is going to be something. So, um, yeah, I feel like Texas has a very open market. Um, if people like it, then they'll play it. There's also so many live music places that, pay their songwriters and their artists <laughs> unlike Nashville. Imagine that. <laughs> I know. And it, it really makes me sad because that was part of the reason I had to move back to Nashville from Nashville to Texas was in Nashville, unless you do have a deal, um, which you're already probably, you know, most people, when they sign a deal, they make between 25 and maybe $40,000 a year. Um, but then they have to recoup it at the end of the year, you know? And so anyways, what made me sad, I think, about being down there is that there are so many great venues. There's the most amazing talent in the world is in Nashville. And still the bars want to pay $75 on a bar tab. And it's just crazy to me because you come down to Texas and these little bitty honky tonks that, you know, you're not even knowing how they're staying open can at least pay you 250 or $300 plus your merch and tips and all that. So that's kind of, I think... That was that really frustrated me about Nashville, too, is I was like, I don't understand why there's so many great musicians and they're not paying. But it's, I think, very similar to Austin. If you go to Austin, it's very similar to Nashville as and it's so oversaturated with great musicians that they know that everybody wants to play. So they don't really have to pay mm. as much. Um, and you are where specifically in Texas? I am about 30 minutes north of San Antonio in a little oh. town called Spring Branch. Oh. And so um, it's 
about an hour from Austin, about it's between an hour and a couple hours of all of the big, you know, big cities, but, um, it's, you know, considered the Texas Hill country. And so that's where most of the Texas artists like Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen. And a lot of those guys live around New Braunfels area, which is Hmm. where my area is. Interesting. At the end of today's show, we're going to talk about the actual song, but for now, I'm going to ask Jesse to talk about the music video that she made for Dive Bar Superstar, which is a song that she released in July. I watched it. I really liked it. But Jesse, I'm going to ask you to take us behind the scenes for the making of that video, including because I don't think I talk about this enough on this show when a guest is talking about a video. I want you to also, besides taking us behind the scenes, I want you to talk about the importance of making sure that an artist is having fun when they're making a music video. I know that sounds kind of obvious, but because yes, it is important to get it right and for it to look good since it's going to, for all intents and purposes, last forever. But you got to make sure you enjoy the process. I know there's one scene in there where you're in the bathtub and it looks like you are having fun. We can see you laugh a little bit. You blow some suds off your hand towards the camera. So please, you know, behind the scenes, where where was that shot? Who did you work with? Just all the behind the scenes (laughs) stuff and and tell me hopefully that you did have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely fun. It was a lot of work. I wasn't expecting it. Um, but I, so originally I'd had a little idea for this, um, music video where I just thought we would be at a dive bar and it would be B-roll footage of people, you know, cheering, cheersing their drinks and me singing with the band. Well, I met this uh, director from Paris, France, and his name was Roman, and he he went to film school in Paris, and so he was just incredibly uh, wow. talented and had this huge vision. So we sat down, and he's like, I'm seeing that champagne and the bubble bath and the this and that, and so he had this huge idea, and I was honestly, when he first told me about it, I was kind of overwhelmed because I thought where are we going to find these places to shoot this? And, you know, and so it was a lot of work. I said, I felt like I planned a wedding because it took like three months to plan, like all the people that were going to be in it and the locations, but it starts off at this nice house. And that was a big thing was he said, I needed to find somewhere that had this big bathtub and had maybe like a fireplace and all these things. So I had a older lady who has lived in my area for a long time and she knows all different types of people. So can I use your bathtub? (laughs) Yeah. That was what was weird is I said, I don't know how to ask people if I can just use their bathtub (laughs) and use their house that I don't know. And she's like, Oh honey, I'll take you. I'll find you, you know, some places. So we literally went around from like all these different houses. Oh, I thought you meant you were, I thought you were going to say that you asked her, could I, could we shoot this at your house? (laughs) She was just super helpful and wanted to help me find a place. So so she she had all these, you know, friends who she's known forever that have nice houses. So we went from house to house and went and looked at their space and this, the house we ended up using, uh, the people hadn't moved into their house yet. And Mm. so it had just got gotten built. So there was no furniture, no nothing in there, which honestly was kind of perfect because I didn't feel like I was invading in someone's actual space, you know? Um, but it was so much fun. So we found that. And then the dive bar that we shot the music video at was the first bar that, uh, I started playing when I moved to Texas, they allowed me to do an open mic every Thursday there. And I got paid a hundred dollars to be there for three hours. And Uh, I really got to kind of get my chops up and get to meet other musicians in the area that would come out there. And they were so, um, they've been so sweet and supportive of me. They actually though, like 
two months, which we knew this when we shot the video, but, uh, they, they shut the bar down like two months afterwards, they sold it and all this stuff. So it was kind of cool because I feel like we got to cement those memories of that place while it was still open in that video. So um, it was so much fun. It really was. <laughs> and I was nervous in the beginning because I'm not an actress, but I had a little hair and makeup lady that was there and she gave me a lot of confidence and would, you know, show me how to do different things since she had been around it for a long time. And but yeah, it was it really was fun. And I I do agree with you. I think that that's really important because um, even in the spots that were frustrating, I kept trying to remember that, that this is something mm. that should be a positive thing. This is exciting. Not, I have to do this. I get to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, you. it was really fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the next one. Good for you. You look beautiful in well, the, in the video and, you know, I, I want the audience to understand those of you who are aspiring performers, you're hearing kind of a different approach that Jesse took because typically you could get all the way to the point where you're having to pull permits and you're having to get permission. We've heard a lot of different examples on this show of, I mean, this idea of, of a bathtub and it's a house that you just got the right timing mm -hmm. where someone wasn't in there. That's kind of unique because something like a bar, sometimes the bar will tell you, well, look, you can't impose on my business. If you're going to film it in this bar, you're going to have to do it at like five o'clock in the morning. Yep. Some bars might cooperate with you and they might tell you, this will be good exposure for us. Please have your video release party here, all that kind of thing. So if you're an aspiring performer, I want you to take notes on, on things like what Jesse's talking about. And especially even something like people might not consider, oh yeah, hair and makeup. You know, well, I just thought I would do my own. Right. I'm so glad that I did not do my own because um, I, I originally had thought that I would do my own hair and makeup, but then as the, the videographer and I talked, he's like, you need to have, you know, real big hair and you need to, you know, have like a glamorous thing. Cause the, the video is supposed to be kind of satire as in like this girl who she thinks she's like this hot thing, like that she's this big star. And then she, you know, is walking up and it's all these bikers and this dive bar. And it's kind of like, you know, the bouncer doesn't trust her ID and yeah. it's, there's all these different things that, that went into it. And, um, how did you meet the guy from Paris, by the way? Honestly, through Facebook, he, um, I had posted on Facebook, which thankfully I'm friends with a lot of musicians and people who have done videos and whatnot. But, um, I believe it was Josh Ward who he had done a music video for. I want to say that I'm right on that. I might be wrong, but, um, anyways, I went and watched a bunch of the videos that Roman had done and, um, he owns this company called 1911 films and, um, so I reached out to him. Somebody had given me his contact information. I told him, this is my song. And I sent it to him and said, you know, I don't really know what to do. I think I have an idea. And he's like, well, let's meet for coffee and talk about it. And mm. so it just kind of naturally, naturally worked out. And he was so great to work with. And, um, yeah, we had a little crew there and, oh, that's what I was saying about the hair and makeup is, um, it was amazing how much you sweat and how much, you know, doing all that because mm. it's so long. The hours are so long. I think for three days we filmed for like 13 hours a day. Wow. I know. And so there was a lot to, and it's funny because it's like a three and a half minute music video, you know? I was going to say that. I mean, you know, if, if you 
take the different scenes in there, someone's going to look at it and go, well, she looks like she was only sitting in the tub for X yeah. amount of time. And she looked like she was only here for X amount of time. And this scene over here, they only used X minutes yeah. of it. It's like, yeah, they only used X minutes right. of it. And that's why when you're going around again, you know, those of you in the audience who have never made a music video before, I think it's helpful. You, you probably agree, Jesse, that you had a director because that director that you're going to work with, he or she is going to tell you, like, just so you know, like, you're going to be sitting in that bathtub for a while. Oh, or as someone who thinks, like, I'll just do it on the cheap. I'll just shoot it with my phone. They go, well, you know, I mean, how long are we typically in the bathtub for when we take a bath? And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. This is totally different from taking a bath. This is shooting a bathtub scene. So you have to factor in like how much footage you need to get just to get down to yes. how much you have to shoot just to get down to I what you need. I think we did the bath. I think it took maybe three and a half or four hours and it kept running out of bubbles and we ran <laughs> out of the bubble stuff. So he literally had to go get like Dawn dish soap and they were getting like all these different cleaning products oh and stuff and rubbing it like with, you know, <laughs> rubbing the water to make bubbles. And it was, it was a nightmare. Shriveled up. Oh my gosh. I know. I know it was so, and I'm a very modest person. And so it was kind of, it was very uncomfortable to me to go outside of my bubble so much. Cause when he said the bubble bath thing, I was like, dude, I'm like a, I'm just not that girl that's going to do that. And he's like, no, you'll have your bathing suit on. It's not like it's, you know, weird. And I was like, okay. So it, but it was weird to be in a bathtub and there'd be like all these people around having lights and all this stuff. I was like, oh, this wow. is just weird, but it turned <laughs> out good. I say you're happy with the end result. Yes. Uh, we are here at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. And I want to give you a chance to talk about this event in particular, just playing original songs, no covers, you and the guitar, no band, a, a, a special environment to perform in, I think you're going to tell me. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. And everybody down here is so kind and supportive and very inclusive. And I think that these uh, festivals are so important to when it comes to meeting people, when it comes to just broadening your connections and the people that are in the business or people you know that you didn't know who they even were before you, you know, come down to one of these festivals. And then you sometimes make some of the greatest friends and some of the best uh, co-writers. And uh, it's, it's really fun. I enjoy doing it. I did a podcast and I met this guy, Bruce, and he got me booked for a gig in Tampa. So you never know where these things <laughs> can lead to. Yeah. Uh, we talked before about your EP that will come out in early 2023, but not so much future projects, I guess, but instead, what about goals as a musician, as an artist? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, um, for me right now, I, I'm real bad about if I look at the too big of the picture, I start getting overwhelmed. Mm. So I've tried to kind of block off one year at a time. So it's kind of like this year, I just wanted to get my project done. I wanted to put my first song out. I wanted to do a music video. I wanted to start getting a band together. So this coming year, my, my goal for the year is, um, to get my band really tight and to play some, I'm, I'm starting to open for some bigger names. So that's mm. kind of my goal for this year is I want to see how many people that I can open for and, um, how many places I can just be in front of people. And then, I really want to get a van too. That's kind of the the goal for this year. I've had the same um, little Nissan Juke since I was in high school, and I have refused to get a car payment because I'm a musician. <laughs> I don't want another payment, but but if I am going to have a payment, it better be for something that's going to get me around the country yes. playing music. Yes, and I I don't want the guys to have to you know use their own cars to go everywhere. So mm. that's the plan is to get a van and to start 
opening for, you know, some different people and to just get my band really tight and to put out more music too. I'm going to the studio again in December to record one more song. So, um, that'll come out, you know, in 2023 as well. So, so if there's anybody listening who knows anyone that works for, I think it's Mercedes Benz who makes the sprinter van. Please get in Hit touch with Jesse. She wants one. Uh, we're going to close today with the song that Jesse talked about the video for. And this is her single that was released in July called Dive Bar Superstar. Jesse, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, as an independent artist and playing a lot of these little gigs, you have people who come up to you and will say things like, um, you know, it's really a shame that you're not more famous. Like, have you ever thought about going on the voice or going on something like that? That might help your career. And it cracks me up every time because I know people are not trying to be rude, but they're it's a backhanded compliment It is because I don't think people realize it. So long story short, um, I was thinking about it and I started off almost frustrated writing the song. That's why it starts off with, it's a shame. You ain't more famous. How long will this success thing take you? And, um, I was kind of frustrated, but I was also kind of laughing about it. And I thought, you know, I want to almost where I'm making fun of myself. Um, I want to write a song like that. So I started the first verse and then, um, I was going to finish it by myself. And I was sitting in the studio one day and my dad walked in and he's like, what are you playing? And I showed him and he's like, I'm a dive bar superstar. And so I was like, Oh, that's the title. So we wrote it together. How often does that happen? We didn't talk about it when you were talking about songwriting, but do you typically write by yourself or are you doing co-writes with him, with others, all of the yeah. above? Yeah, all of the above. I, I enjoy writing um, the weird stuff by myself <laughs> and I enjoy writing the stuff that I know can be more commercial uh, as co-writes because I think, um, you know, it it's helpful to be able to have two brains. It's better than one sometimes but other than him the co-writes are they people in texas or do you do some long distance stuff with people in nashville um both yeah i i've met some really great writers in texas um luckily my boyfriend cameron wrinkle he's a really great songwriter so he and i write together a lot and then my dad um there's all kinds of people down there but i still go back and forth to nashville and i write up there i try to go as much as i possibly can um, and I've got some great friends and great writers up in Nashville that every time I go up there, I'll send them a text, you know, a month before and say, can you please block off one of these <laughs> days? And so I, yeah, just honestly, whoever wants to write that, you know, I feel like we vibe and we, we have the same, uh, writing style or at least similar than I'm happy to write with, with anybody. Awesome. Well, Jesse, it's been great having you on the show. Congratulations on the new single that's upcoming. You're going to be your mama. And we'll be looking for lots more in 2023 once the new EP drops and you really start hitting the road even more than you are now. So thank you for taking time out of the festival to be with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Jesse Lee. Do visit her official website at jessieleemusic.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on her website, look for the icons at the top for Jessie's social media. I myself have liked her music page on Facebook, and I followed her on Instagram, and I'm sure that she would appreciate you doing the same. You heard her talking about the music video for the song that I'm about to play. Go to her YouTube channel and watch and like that video but subscribe to her channel too. Remember also to find Jessie on Spotify and give her a follow on there as well. And she is on TikTok at... 
Jesse Lee official, I believe. There you go. Use the live shows option at the top of jessieleemusic.com to see where and when you can go see her perform. Keep up with Jessie online relative to the new EP you heard her talk about that will come out early next year. And do be sure to tell Jessie that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Even though I have said this before, there are always new listeners coming to the show. So hopefully you have already hit the follow button on whatever podcast app you listen to Now Hear This Entertainment through. There might actually be a couple out there still with subscribe instead of follow. Either way, it is free. But if you're not sure if you've done so, take a minute to double check that you're following, that you are subscribed so that you don't miss any episodes and automatically get the new episode each week. That's going to do it for episode 457. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Jesse Lee. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Dive Bar Superstar. It's a shame you ain't more famous. How long will this success thing take you? Sit some ignoramus at the bar. Well, I smiled and said, man, can't you tell? Sometimes with the tailpipe dragging